There has always been a need for protecting private data, but long gone are the days when sensitive customer documents were locked on a filing cabinet at the end of the workday. In our digital world, customers share more information about themselves than ever. We often hear in media and at conferences about advances in technology to catch up with regulations on data protection. Yet, we also continue to read about breaches like the Colonial Pipeline breach of May 7, 2021, and more recently, the AXA Asia. In today's Podchats for Future CIO, we speak to John Grimm, Vice President of Strategy and Business Development, Data Protection Solutions at Entrust, on the topic of data privacy, data protection, and what enterprises are doing right and wrong to comply with regulations and customer expectations. John, welcome to Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be here. The idea of data protection started as far back as... 1890 when U.S. lawyers Samuel Warren and Louis Brandeis wrote the right to privacy. Arguably one of the biggest developments around data privacy today is GDPR which was announced in 2018. Three years on, where is the holdup when it comes to upholding personal data privacy? Well, again, and thank you very much for having me here, Alan. I just wanted to say um, for those in the audience that have not heard of of Entrust before, we are a digital security provider that focuses on trusted identities, payments, and data protection. So this topic is very close at heart. And as we progress through the conversation, we'll also talk about some data that comes from a a recent study that we conducted along with our research partner, the Poneman Institute. Getting to the matter at hand, one of the things that we find that is a big challenge, and particularly now, as more organizations have gone digital, is the fact that data is so much more dispersed. Um, And the challenges of protecting data in the way that an organization would like to are made much more difficult by the fact that things have become so more digital and there have been more locations created for sensitive data to migrate to over time. We're finding that this is one of the top challenges. Many organizations don't have trouble identifying the data that's important. They have a lot of trouble figuring out all the different places it's going, particularly as we've, we've hit the cloud era and the multi-cloud era, as well as some of the new platforms that are being introduced. Before we go any further, let's start off with definitions. What is data protection? And in the typical large enterprise, what does it encompass? And more important, what is its relationship to data encryption? Well, I'm, I'm glad you went there because data protection is often associated with encryption when you think just about data and what you might wrap around it so that somebody can't read it. But it really is a much larger problem. Some of the difficulties and challenges people have is with tying all the different pieces together when they're pulling together their security tool set. There are really important aspects of identifying and authenticating people who are going to act on data, of assigning them privileges to access data and systems based on their role. Encryption also plays a role, as do other threat protection type measures. So data protection is a pretty wide swath of protection types. What we'll talk about here today is is some findings specific to encryption because encryption itself has gotten pretty complicated now that people are using it a lot more. But it is a really important point that encryption is just another layer in a multi-layered defense that has to be implemented in concert and along with identity and authentication, role-based access control, um, and other enterprise security mechanisms. We continue to hear about high-profile cyber attacks like the Colonial Pipeline and more recently AXA Asia. Why do organizations seem to struggle with their data protection strategies? 
Well, it's a very complex problem, and in particular because of how many different types of systems are in play, how many different tools people are using today to protect their data. We're finding a big increase in the number of products that companies are deploying to perform encryption. In, in the study that, that we did with the Poneman Institute, we found that that average number of, of encryption products is eight. And, and in fact, in many countries, it can be 10 or more. At the same time, there are many organizations out there Everyone is struggling from having uh, limited resources, especially with experience in data protection. This leads to a situation where you have so many products, you don't have enough people to learn how to use them properly, and it can open the door for mistakes to be made. And that's one of the big struggles we see with data protection strategy is the, the number one threat isn't usually the, the attacker, the external attacker, the malicious insider. It's actually the well-intentioned employee who might make a mistake along the way and end up exposing sensitive data. Speaking of encryption, is there a magic number in terms of how many encryption tools is enough? You spoke about between 8 to 10 as average. Well, what we're hearing right now is there is a big move to try to reduce and simplify the tool set. I think the, the number that's in play right now is too high. And the interesting dynamic that's going on there, though, is that the major cloud providers like AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google have built really good encryption and key management tools that work really well within their environments, and customers have gravitated to those. However, those tools are just good within their particular environments. You use the AWS tools in AWS. You use the Azure tools in Azure. Then you've got a number of tools that you're using on-premise for your networks, for your storage, for your email encryption, for your SSL encryption. The problem is that there are just so many of these that A, the, the problem I just mentioned about not having enough people and, and resources to, to learn them and operate them, but also the difficulty in being consistent with your security policy when you have to instantiate it over so many different tools. So what we're hearing loud and clear is a need to centralize and to simplify the tool set. Give me secure sources of encryption keys that can feed all my products. Give me a, something that can help me enforce my policy for who can access data and report on it to my auditors, and for, especially for highly regulated companies. Based on that central place, you can have a much simpler time reporting for compliance purposes that you are in fact fulfilling your enterprise security policy and have a much better chance at doing better on your overall data protection strategy. Environments have become more complex. Today, enterprises operate in hybrid, multi-cloud environments covering on-prem, private, public, and edge. The same goes for data protection and data encryption tools. How do you manage and effectively use this growing complexity that is the cloud and continue to protect it? And some of it really involves getting back to basics because you're right, the environment has gotten more complicated. People are using more tools. We always say revert back to the basics, identify the data that's most important. Find, number two, find all the places that it's going. Number three, apply protections in all the places that it's going. The, the good attacks will, um, if they find encrypted data and they can't find the key associated with it, they'll go look for it someplace else. Um, and the worst thing that you can do and shoot the big Achilles heel of an 
encryption strategy is poorly protected keys, even if you've executed the encryption. So a lot of this really falls back to fundamentals. And fundamentals of key management aren't the most exciting thing to talk about and write about. But at the end of the day, what we see with this problem of tool sprawl and people using so many different tools in the cloud and the enterprise for encryption and key management, that it's the fundamentals that are falling apart. You know, encryption keys have a lifetime, just like a person. You know, they're, they're created. They have to be accounted for throughout their time in use. They have to be rotated periodically, you know, based on the, the algorithm that's being used, the length of the key. You have to have the right number of backups so you can recover data, uh, but not so many backups that you create a vulnerability. You have to have good hygiene of deleting keys when they're done being used. It's actually a much more complicated topic than a lot of folks realize and didn't realize it when they were just using encryption in a limited number of places. But now that we've got so many products in play and we've got 50% of organizations reporting that they do have an, an encryption strategy, well, the, the pain index around key management has gone through the roof because they're discovering that their manual methods of tracking keys aren't doing the job. They aren't keeping things good from a security perspective and they are, they are error prone, uh, especially if, if keys are being tracked through spreadsheets and more manual methods. Specific to the Ponemon Institute report, can you cite reasons why Southeast Asia ranked lowest globally in terms of encryption adoption? The report said the global average is 50% versus Southeast Asia, which is around 36% average. Well, I think one of the big things that I see, um, although Southeast Asia, which is one of our, our composite regions from the study that includes Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam, um, although the rating of, of folks that said they had a comprehensive strategy was on the lower side, you know, at 36% versus what we saw uh, globally across the board at 50%, there was still 47% that rated their strategy in a, in a partial state, it's limited some applications, some data, et cetera. And looking closer at the data, there were some particular use cases in Southeast Asia where encryption was quite strong um, around big data encryption, around database encryption and file system encryption. So it wasn't necessarily weak in every use case. Uh, there were some particular use cases where Southeast Asia's numbers were quite strong. And there was another interesting dynamic I noted too. Globally, one of the strong trends in the drivers for using encryption in the first place has been this shift from doing encryption because of regulatory compliance. You know, four or five years ago, the, the big driver from the global sample was regulatory compliance. We've seen this shift over the last four to five years to customers that are now doing it in a more data-driven way. They're doing encryption because they need to protect customer information or they need to protect intellectual property. However, one of the differences that popped out about Southeast Asia was the very strongest driver by a good margin for encryption use in Southeast Asia wasn't customer information like we saw in a lot of other places. It was threat protection. So it's possible that some of these lower numbers in terms of encryption adoption are being balanced out by other measures, given that there's more emphasis on overall threat protection, where you would be deploying a potentially more diverse set of mechanisms than just encryption. How do you see encryption evolving and what can organizations do to better leverage encryption as a foundation for a more holistic data protection strategy? Well, it's pretty interesting. There are 
a number of new technologies that are beginning to show signs that they'll they'll hit the mainstream at one point. And in fact, in this survey, we asked about the use of things like multi-party computation, where you break up transactions into small parts and have multiple parties execute them and then bring them together. There's also a, a technology called homomorphic encryption that allows you to operate on data that's encrypted without decrypting it. Uh, so potentially reducing the exposure. Although these are very interesting technologies, in the survey and backed up by the current state of research and, and ability to, to run in a true enterprise environment, those technologies are a good five to six years away from the mainstream. So the answers today aren't in placing the bets on, on something new and different. They really are on getting back to fundamental things like uh, we talked about earlier, fundamentals of key management and of also, frankly, of key protection. There have been many data breach instances out there where the data that's been captured is encrypted. So that that starts to sound good at the beginning of the storyline, but at the same time, they'll find that the um, encryption key was actually stored with the encrypted data and the attackers were able to get it as well. So paying attention to some of those fundamentals of key protection, protecting them in purpose-built hardware, something like a hardware security module or an HSM is a common strategy when you need to up-level the protection of keys, when the encryption processes or a digital signing process needs high assurance, needs higher level of protection uh, because the data is particularly sensitive. So you know, strategically and fundamentally, the fundamentals of, of key management and of key protection and of simplifying an environment and to not have this tool sprawl problem and instead centralize some of your control of all that can help to break down some of the barriers of today that have been caused by this rapid dispersion uh, of, of data. Gardner predicts that by 2023, 65% of the global population will have their personal information protected by data privacy laws. Given all the breaches that are happening lately, what needs to happen for this prediction to become a reality? Boy, and I'll, I'll say too, we, we certainly see the effects of this in some of the uh, the laws and the regulations that are coming down the pipe. I've been in this industry for some time. When I think back 15 or 20 years ago, regulations were just starting to call out data protection and, and some would even specify encryption as, as a mechanism. Fast forward 10 years from then, uh, or about five years ago, encryption is a mainstay in the data privacy laws and regulations. But what's been happening in the last five years is a real up-leveling of what's going into the the newer regulations, which is additional scrutiny around protection of keys. And I think those trends are extremely significant into what's going to make the prediction you just referred to become a reality. Because uh, to do digital business, there's going to be much more attention and rigor faced, and you won't be able to, to get a, a checkbox in your audit just because you're performing encryption. That's not good enough. There's good encryption and there's bad encryption. Bad encryption is when you don't protect the keys well. Good encryption is when you can prove you are. And uh, that's clearly a trend we're seeing. Still on the topic of the digital economy, future CFO and future CIO, we deal with the senior level executives from across the C-suites. Exactly who owns the data? Is it the CIO, the chief data officer? Is it the marketing department or is it the customer? 
Well, I'll, I'll say this. What we see the strongest reaction to is the responsibility that enterprises or organizations have to protect customers' data. So job number one has turned to this data-driven strategy, and it's no longer the, the security department's job or the application group's job. It's everybody's job, right up to the CEO, to execute a culture, a tool set, and a whole mindset around protecting the data of customers as if it's their own. There's real clear changes and, and you see the creation of roles like data protection officers and that are reflecting the realities of today that data protection has become everybody's job, uh, definitely not just uh, that of the security team anymore. Security is viewed as defensive many times when you think of threat protection products and the like, but security and encryption is an enabler. If you can protect data, you can transact with that data and do business with that data. And uh, more and more, we see this mindset at every CXO level of an organization organization, that security is a business enabler and doing it right isn't just about you know, protecting your own assets, it's protecting your customers' assets and the ability to do, to do business in today's world. Speaking of the Ponymon study, there's a chart there that actually caught my eye for its influence of IT operations, lines of business and security, I guess around data protection or data encryption. The one thing that struck me in that report is that of all the countries and regions surveyed, the U.S. was the only market where lines of business or general management was more influential than IT and the security department, whereas across all the other countries and all the other regions, IT, by and large, was always the clear influencer when it comes to data encryption or data protection. What does that data tell us? We've certainly seen this. One, one of the businesses that Entrust has been in a long time is public key infrastructure. And one of the clear trends over the years has been that organizations will stand up a security infrastructure and then look to leverage it as they deploy multiple applications. People will deploy a public key infrastructure to issue digital certificates for, for people or for devices, for servers. Over time, they'll typically deploy that for one or two particular purposes. But over time, you see this addition of additional applications that'll get layered onto it because the next application will come along, maybe a, a database encryption application or a digital signing application or an IoT application, something that needs to draw certificates from that same secure infrastructure. So now you see the balance of power shifting into lines of business that are standing up these applications. And therefore, the dynamic becomes, what do these new applications need off of that legacy digital certificate infrastructure in order for them to do business? Do they need new technical capabilities? Do they need new policy capabilities? And that, I believe, is the balance of power that you picked out of that data, which is that the lines of business start to come into more power and say, and back to our, our previous point you made, which is that encryption is really about doing business. And uh, these lines of business that need to enable new digital transformation initiatives, maybe their IoT, maybe their mobility, they are the ones that are coming with the requirements and driving the next generation of security. What must enterprises do to rein back the perceived loss of control when it comes to data protection and data encryption? And what should the CIO or CISO be doing to own part of the solution? Well, there's some good fundamentals there. I think the um, understanding the threat environment, having a good balance between protection against external attack, against malicious insider, uh, against system malfunction, not to forget the role of 
that employee mistakes can tend to play in those things. The fundamentals of making sure that your encryption strategy is hand in hand with your identification and authentication strategy, your role-based access control strategy. The points we talked about, about centralizing and simplifying the number of products, try to get a central single pane of glass and also a good strong root of trust for your encryption keys and for your the execution of your encryption policy. There are a number of things there that can really come a long way. I also would point back to the earlier mentioned that one of the, the trends out of the Poneman study is that people are becoming more data-driven in their encryption strategy. So identifying specific types of data and making sure to protect them wherever they go. We see that in the data as the aspiration, but what we see in the realities of deployment are often people will just turn on encryption in the most mature and easy to use use cases. They'll turn on encryption for their backups and archives, for example, or for their email systems, for their laptop hardware, drives. Places where encryption is mature, it's been embedded for a long time, it's relatively easy to turn on. That ends up creating a patchwork uh, because those places aren't the only places that sensitive data is going now. The real way to take a step back and look at this is on where is that data that you care about the most going and make sure that you have an ability to apply protections in all those places it's going. You talk about uh, the need to simplify, where at the moment we, we are faced with a sprawl of solutions. I mean, there are lots of technology solution vendors out there, even within the encryption space. What is Entrust's unique value proposition? What makes you stand out in the ecosystem of uh, encryption technology providers? Well, one of the critical things for folks that are implementing a data protection strategy is to really have that sense of what is most important to protect based on their business. What is their forward strategy on, on how they're trying to grow their business? One of the big things that Entrust brings to the table in this area is an ability to have a trust infrastructure implemented through cryptography and identification and authentication and, and other similar data protection mechanisms that all the different uh, applications in the enterprise that need the data protection principles in order to operate can draw from. So, you know, we talked about data going to multiple clouds and also being there in the enterprise. One thing that Entrust products can do is provide a single secure source of keys for all those products that are doing either encryption or digital signing or doing anything having to do with cryptography. Also, the management of the policy around who can access what data and where and under what conditions. A product like a hardware security module that Entrust provides can provide that single source of policy management that you can tie all those different applications to and make sure you have a trusted authority that will implement the policy that's programmed into it uh, by the, the security officers at the organization. So this, this notion of a, a central control and trust infrastructure that many different products and applications throughout your enterprise can utilize is really a, a big step. And, and again, it's not just about cryptography, uh, encryption and digital signing. It's about identities. It's about authentication at the strength that you need to authenticate people and devices and machines to in order, again, based on the, the sensitivity of the data that you have in your business and the applications you run and whose data you are entrusted with in the conduct of your business. That's a common thread. And we see a lot of folks today needing to shore up their trust infrastructure and have the ability to um, draw trusted services for a whole range of new applications that they need to have to be competitive in the next five years. John, thank you for joining me on Podchats for Future CIO. And thank you for having me, Alan. It was great to be here. That was John Grimm, Vice President of Strategy and Business Development, Data Protection Solutions at Entrust, on the topic of closing the holes in data protection strategies. 
You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now. Thank you.